Welcome to the 
century BCE with Megasthenes and goes all the way up until, you know, the 1850s in, in India. And so, you know, there's a long tradition of those women bodyguards. So that's how I got into the topic and I was fascinated. And of course, you know, the idea of unlocking the mystery of the Amazons appealed to me, uh, always liked a good challenge. So that's how I got started. I'm giving you applause for unlocking the Amazon mystery because we're all about that. So um, that is amazing. Let's jump because there's so many things I want to talk to you about, Walter and Don is the same as the same number of questions. We had, you know, both of us, both Don and I, uh, in looking through your work, and I've read Postcolonial Amazons. I highly recommend it. Um, I've recommended it to a lot of people. Uh, and I want to ask you first, before I even ask you about the bodyguards, is do you use the Postcolonial Amazons as a textbook? You know, it's it, for a very specific type of a course. Yeah, I've used it as a textbook for my students, uh, but it, you know, it's 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 a specialist kind of book in one sense. Um, but you know, on, in the other sense, I mean, yeah, you you could use it as a textbook in a particular kind of course. I think it's so, it's so rich in information. So let's let's jump to the bodyguards. We'll we'll jump around. So you mentioned the, the bodyguards, bodyguards in India. You also mentioned those in Persia in your book as well. Who were they? Were these native women? Is this a, a cultural eddy? Were these women from other regions? Uh, because in this podcast, we talk a lot about the women in the Black Sea and the tribes around that area. So who were they? That's a good question. I, I assume there were probably a mixture of women, although there seems to be a trend of importing these women bodyguards. And this is the other thing that really caught my interest when thinking about them in relation to the Amazons from areas like Central Asia and even Georgia today, uh, you know, that would be the former Soviet Republic of Georgia, uh, the Caucasus region. And these are regions both that were associated with Amazons in antiquity and where we also find burials of warrior women. And so uh, right now, whether all of women bodyguards came from those regions or not is another question, but it's clear that uh, that at least much later in history, the uh, Mughal Emperor Aurangzeb imported women bodyguards from Georgia, from Uzbekistan, and uh, places like that, right? And so uh, these women, Tartar women, right? So they all came from Central Asia or the Caucasus region, to the same region where we find the Amazons in antiquity. And going back earlier, and you've had to piece this together a little more, but there is evidence that the women warriors uh, that were imported by going back to, you know, the much earlier times, ancient times, uh, in the Sanskrit, we hear about Yavani. And Yavani were, uh, it's a, means a, a really a Greek woman, right, in Sanskrit. Uh, but uh, these Greek women served as concubines and also as sort of weapon bearers for kings. Uh, that's how we see them in the Sanskrit texts. And it would see appear that they were also imported uh, from, from the north. And the other thing I learned in my research is that, you know, they conflated the Shaka, right, um, or the, uh, you know, what we would call the Scythians, in English, um, in Greek, they're called Sakai, and they're called Shaka in Sanskrit. And they conflated these peoples together because they were foreigners who had come down and swept out of the north and attacked India in various waves. 
And so they were also not, you know, part of the caste system. Uh, and But they had to be included somehow because at one point they had conquered India. And uh, so, but what, what the point I'm trying to get at is they seem to be bringing these women in even in antiquity from the north, right, from, from areas like Central Asia where the Greeks had associated the Amazon. So there's a connection there. And um, I have a quick question, uh, sure. just a clarification, Walter. When you say imported, did these were these women coming down as mercenaries and therefore they were coming to work for hire or were these slaves that were bought and trafficked? That's, that's a good question. Uh, I would suspect it's probably a little bit of both. Uh, and, um, right. It might depend on the time and the place. Uh, and, um, but, but yeah, it could be a bit of both, I think. Okay. Can I, let's also clarify time frame and locations too for everybody. So Megasthenes and the antiquity, what's that time frame? And then the Mughal emperors, what's that time frame? So we get a spance for the okay. listener of where, where, when it begins and how sure. far it goes. Megasthenes was an ambassador. Uh, he came from a Greek kingdom that, you know, Seleucus, the general who was a, uh, a general of Alexander and one of Alexander's successors, formed a kingdom called the Seleucid Empire. And Megasthenes was an ambassador of Seleucus to, or the Seleucid Empire, I should say, to India. And that was around 300 BC, roughly speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, and he wrote in Greek and wrote this account of these women that we can then verify in the Sanskrit literature as well. So we have two sources uh, confirming, or one source confirming an early, another source. Yeah, exactly, Great. which is what Great. you want, right? You know, and right. Right. most of all is the Sanskrit evidence because that is native, right, indigenous. Um, but the fact that the two confirm one another is good. And then we see the, so that's when this, you know, custom can be first be accounted for. Uh, although there is evidence, and it's tricky here, that the Buddha had women bodyguards. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Could you say more about that? Okay, so the Buddha lived, you know, before, uh, you know, a couple hundred years before Megasthenes, something like that. There are various, you know, time frames, but but that's about as close as we we would need to get here and give you know give or take eighty years. And uh, he is recorded in later texts as having been guarded by women. And, uh, you know, there's one point when he leaves the palace, he renounces the world, right? He renounces his, right. you know, his kingdom, his, you know, place in the line of succession. Uh, and uh, his aunt doesn't want him to go. So she tells the women to guard him. And uh, then there's lots of artwork from later uh, that shows women guards in, you know, the women's quarters of this palace where the Buddha grew up and became a young man. Okay. Nice. That's that's in, that's a pretty amazing lineage. What is also you mentioned bodyguards in Kerala? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so Kerala is in Kerala. the okay. south of India, and mm -hmm. uh, so in the Middle Ages, uh, we hear about women bodyguards there, and so uh, that is uh, uh, there were a couple of texts that I had come across there. And um, were these again? Were these native women imports mercenaries? What? Who? Who were these women? 
That's a good question. Um, mm -hmm. So Zhu Kua Chao, a Chinese ethnographer, wrote about these women in Kerala. Um, and he just tells us, uh, he does tell us they were picked foreign women chosen for their fine physique. So we're okay. not told exactly where they came from. Uh, but again, they could have been imported from, from the north like these other women. And, and there seemed to have been an idea uh, in the heads of these Indian kings that the, you know, the best women came from, uh, you know, this area to the north, what would be Central Asia today. Uh, they were fierce. And the way that I would, the analogy I would draw is think about the Spartans, right? When you think about Western Greek history, you know, the Spartans are considered the fiercest, right? You know, mm -hmm. 300 Spartan soldiers, and they had some help from allies, you know, held off this massive Persian army, right? Why? Because they were trained from the age of seven to be warriors, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I think when you think about these nomadic women, right, they're also trained to use weapons uh, in a way that probably Indian women were not. At least that's what the evidence I found seemed to indicate. What, in current, uh, in terms of the current geography, what places are we talking about when you say from the steppes? What countries would they be now? And let's kind of let maybe trace these these tribes back. Okay, so it would be southern Russia and Kazakhstan. Uh, okay. And maybe some other countries like Uzbekistan, possibly Turkmenistan. So those former um, central Soviet republics and mm -hmm. southern Russia and the Ukraine and then Georgia and Azerbaijan. Those are also steppes, but but more in the Caucasus region. Um, yeah. And, and there's some steppe there, but also some pretty high mountains, of course. So for the linking this and this is one of the things that has most inter interested me in terms of what Don and I've been doing in this podcast and what we've been trying to kind of suss out and follow through as we explore this Amazon story is this connection between what the Greeks are seeing looking in one direction and what the Indians and Persian and Chinese are seeing looking in the other direction and can I ask you it appears from what you're saying that both the Greeks and the non-western sources in India China and Persia are looking at a similar region of warrior yes. women. Would that be correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so the notion this kind of leads to one of the questions I was going to ask you, the notion of Amazons as a fictional creation of the Greeks, because this is this fear fantasy. They have a female power. So they concoct this other um, seems less likely given the historical and archeological record. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Greeks probably were afraid of powerful women, at least some of them. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, uh, We'd all agree on that. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't mean they weren't. there wasn't some historical basis for them. Because when you think about the myths of the Amazons that the Greeks tell us about, so, you know, you've got the story of Penthesilea. Penthesilea is the Amazon queen who comes to fight on behalf of the Trojans, and she is called of the Thracian race uh, by Arctinus and his Aethiopus which is a, you know, a, a legend that's now lost. We know, you know, we've got a summary of it from a later author. Uh, but, you know, so first of all, right, um, that's, that's one place that, that the Amazons are coming from. We have found some warrior women in Bulgaria and what would have been ancient Thrace. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been some archaeological remains found there. Uh, and, you know, not as many as I'd, I'd hoped for, but the... Um, and then, you know, when we look at places like 
ancient Colchis. Um, the Amazons are associated with that place. That would be mo the modern, uh, you know, nation of Georgia on the Black Sea. Uh, we mm -hmm. find uh, burials of warrior women there. We find them in uh, the Ukraine and what would be Scythia, you know, ancient Scythia. What is the Ukraine today? in southern Russia, among the remains, the archaeological remains of the Sarmatians, These are all people that the Greeks associated with the Amazons in some way or another. Uh, and whether, you know, in, in a myth where an Amazon queen comes to Troy, but yet she's, quote, of the Thracian race, or, you know, the Scythians are men and the Amazons sort of uh, get lost, to make a long story short, and they wind up marrying these Scythian men and then they form a new tribe, the Sarmatians. And there endeth the first part of our post-colonial Amazons episode. Thank you for listening all the way through. As a reward, we have part two for you, up next on the 34 Circe Salon. Please enjoy.